Well, happy Sunday. We're kind of primed and ready to go because we had a great service at the 830 and that new song, how many, oh my gosh, I just, yeah. Even just, it's always amazing to me how, you know, like I kind of go into a bubble at home when I'm going to speak and I get kind of consumed. I'm not a multitasker. I'm not very good at that kind of stuff. So when I'm, I'm thinking of a subject, I, I like lose reality around me and I enter in my bubble. And um, it's amazing to me when I, when I walk into the church after being in a bubble <laughs> for a week and you come out and then you hear the worship that was chosen and, and you get to see even the missions that we're doing this month with the pictures on there with the well and the, that we provided them drinking water, but we also providing them living water. Like the things that everything that the Holy Spirit does to tie everything in that we have no control of. I didn't have any control of that, but my message this morning is called broken cisterns or forgotten water pots. And I saw that little picture of the well up there, and I was like, oh, God, you're so good. You're so good how you just, you just speak, and then it, all we have to do is step out in that obedience, and then the Holy Spirit just begins to unravel everything. And I just, I'm so grateful this morning. You know, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to be thirsty all the time. I think we're all born thirsty. You know, the fun fact about me is I love water. I love ice cold water, which is particularly, you know, that. I have friends who I will go out to have lunch with or whatever, and they will always order water with no ice. Like, I will never understand that. You want, already you know at a restaurant pretty much it's tap water. So you're drinking warm tap water over ice cold water. I don't know, I'll never get it. I always look at them like they're crazy, but you know, I love them, so that's that. But I like to drink my water all day long. I always have this beside me everywhere I go. Now, I'll never take for granted again thirst after going through chemo. The one thing that I remember my oncologist warned us about before we ever had our first dose was the fact that most cancer patients during chemo end up in the hospital due to dehydration and they just stopped drinking. And I soon realized why, because it's hard to drink when you're going through the side effects of chemotherapy. You, you, everything tastes terrible. You have like a rash. Some people get really bad sores in their mouth. And so Adam and I were like, okay, how do we go, how do we combat this? And so all my hydroflasks, I had one like practically in every room and then we got straws, you know, for them so I could like literally stick the straw almost down my throat and swallow bypassing my mouth and, and um, you know, I was thinking about that journey this week and, and my extreme thirst during that time, yet I still had to force myself to drink, even though I was so thirsty. And I just began to think about that and thought, man, there are times in our lives like that. You know, and I think Adam touched on it this past week where there's those ordinary common days that just require simple obedience the I'm not feeling it days, the I'm not tasting it days. Today it doesn't taste very good, but I'm not going to allow myself to become dehydrated. 
You know, I'm going to drink when I don't feel like it. I'm going to train myself to do what I know needs to be done, even when I'm not feeling it. And today, I hate being thirsty. I'll immediately, when I have that feeling, go to grab my water bottle. It's the first thing I do in the morning is fill up my water bottle. I keep it by my bed at night. When I wake up in the middle of the night, I have my water bottle. I, and I had to go through a season of thirst to really appreciate water. And I tell you that to tell you this, there's no better representation of faith in the Bible than to drink. To drink is to receive. That's all you have to do is receive. And God has made it so simple for us, this faith thing. He has made it so simple for us, but we like to make it complicated. So this morning, I'd like to talk a little bit about broken cisterns or forgotten water pots. And we're going to start out in Jeremiah chapter 2. Now, if you know anything about Jeremiah, he was a prophet. He spoke the words of the Lord to the people of God for 40 years. And in that time, in all those 40 years that he spoke and spoke the word of God, they never changed. The Bible says he never once saw people come to repentance. So imagine coming here and having church for 40 years, preaching our hearts out, planning messages, coming up with great ideas and themes, and in 40 years, no one responds. That would be pretty discouraging. I don't know if I could even last 40 years, to be honest. Give me a year, I'll be, I'll be toast. But Jeremiah remained faithful, the Bible says. So many words that God gave him then can be applied to our lives now. And I want to look at some of those words this morning because at Elevate, we believe that the word of the Lord is our blueprint. And we believe that if God was speaking to Jeremiah then, he's still speaking to us today. And in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, the Lord spoke to Jeremiah saying, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've allowed us to come together, God. And I ask you, Father God, just to use me as a vessel for you this morning. God, speak through me. God, I pray you will just fertilize the heart that need to hear this word, Father God, so that it can be taken, Father God, and then it can grow and multiply in their lives. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing I want to look at is broken cisterns. A cistern, if you don't know what that is, in Bible days, it was basically a well that caught rainwater. Okay, so originally when I was looking into this, I thought broke, I thought wells were, were, even at that time, they were dug deep enough to where water would bubble from the earth. But that was not the case. So these, at this time in the Bible, the cisterns would have been just hand-dug holes in the ground that would have caught the rainwater. And at the time Jeremiah is bringing this word, the Jewish people would have, would have deep wells already established. They'd been used to the convenience of drawing water anytime they wanted it. It was pretty civilized at this point, and yet God still calls their wells broken cisterns. And in the message version, it even says that they were like sieves, so the water would just go right through all the holes. And I don't know about you, but if I'm given in my life opportunity to learn from someone else's mistakes so that I don't have to do the same thing, I'm gonna watch and learn. 
And I'll just shout out to some people in here, thank you for that, because you have saved me a lot of heartache sitting back and watching people make mistakes that I don't have to do that same thing. Because we can learn so much from watching other people. We can. We can learn so much and save ourselves so much grief. So let's look at these things in history today in our Bibles and learn so we don't have to go through these same things. Let's take a look at the two times in the history of the children of Israel where they asked God for water. The first time people of, the people of God had, had just been delivered from Egypt, okay? So they, God used Moses, if you remember the story, with a staff in his hand, and to, he's out there doing great miracles to bring them to where they're now free, and they're walking in the wilderness towards the promised land. They're walking with purpose. And one of the first complaints the people have after being set free from slavery is they're thirsty. So Moses asked the Lord for water, and God gives clear direction to Moses. In the book of Exodus chapter 17, verse 5, the Lord said to Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. So it's interesting in a story that, that God tells Moses, take the staff in your hand. So the staff would have been a visual reminder of the power of God, right? It would have been a reminder, oh, that's, that's the staff that God used to send plagues to give, bring us to freedom. That's the staff that parted the Red Sea. It would have been a confidence booster for Moses to pick up that staff, and it also would have been a confidence booster for the people to see it. It would have been familiar, reassuring to hold it in his hand. And once again, they get to see it with their own eyes and get to rejoice at the ridiculous meeting the miraculous. You know, after that, there was some little kids running around with sticks, banging a bunch of rocks for their superhero Moses. And in the book of Numbers, years later, is the second time that we read about the children of Israel asking God for water. Years later, these same people, maybe a little older, but definitely not wiser, are complaining once again of this same problem. They're thirsty. And once again, we read God's clear directions to Moses in Numbers 28 through 11. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff. And then you and your brother gather the people together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water, and you will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So here is the familiar, take the staff, gather the people, but there's also something new here. The staff, I want you to still hold it. I want you to let them all see it, but you don't need to use it. This time, I want you to simply speak. Just take a small step of faith. God cannot be contained in our ordinary in our same old, same old. God wants to do a new thing, and one of our values is to stay out of stuck. And God is simply trying to get Moses and the people out of stuck and show them how much movement can come with just a tiny step of faith. A small step outside the box that they were beginning to be very comfortable in. He is giving Moses an opportunity to grow, 
right here, to see differently, to, to stretch himself a little bit. And in Numbers 20, 9 through 11, Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. And he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? And then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff and water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. Well, two out of three isn't bad. The water still gushed out of the rock. The goal was still achieved. The request was still answered. And we can read that part and think, well, all is well. No harm, no foul. But don't miss the failure right here. It's a warning for us today. God in his mercy gave the people what they needed. But Moses failed. He failed to listen. He failed to obey. He failed to grow. He struck not once, but twice. What was that extra shot for? Were they starting to look more at the act than God? Were they getting more familiar with the staff than the Savior? This is the last time that we read about the people asking for water. And the very last time we read about God providing fresh water for his people. And I think God shows us in this last story that he was willing to give them water simply by asking. Moses wasn't obedient, but God in his mercy, he poured out what they needed. So that means if this was the last time we read about it, it's the last time they simply asked. They stopped asking and they started digging. When God asks us to take a small step of faith and we don't do it, we don't stay in the same spot, but we actually start retreating. When God gives us opportunity to increase and we do not obey, we've already began to decrease. When God tells us how to take ground and we don't do it, we start losing ground. If you're not moving forward, you are moving backward. We are a church that values movement. And we are a church that takes small steps to fulfill big dreams. When Jeremiah speaks this prophetic word and he says that my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So now it's been roughly a thousand years. And this word of God says that they have forsaken me. That word in the Greek means they've totally abandoned him. For a thousand years, the children of God have abandoned the living water. So the children of Israel, over the years of wandering in the desert from the last time we read about them asking for water, over the years, the thousand years, every new place that they would go, the first thing they would do is start to dig. Everywhere they go, they began to learn the right place to dig, the right depth to dig, the cisterns, how deep they needed to be to catch that water. They leaked, they soaked back into the earth. They were only given a short time to gather the water after it rained. But as soon as they finished digging that cistern, deterioration began, but they didn't care. The next time, they'd start digging again. 
And at the time Jeremiah is bringing this word, it's been this thousand years and people are busy with life now. There's somewhat of a civilization. There's king and government and cattle, food supply. They've established deep wells. So they had generations of well diggers and professional well diggers, probably forgetting what fresh living water even tasted like. They stopped asking for so much more than just water. Started out with that, but now Jeremiah spends 40 years telling them to repent, that they've forsaken their God. And they're deaf to God's words, and he doesn't see one response. It's forsaken. They've settled. They're stuck. And the Lord even says that the living water's always been there. They just chose to forsake it. They didn't even care that their hard labor that they had to do on the daily was producing something broken, something that wouldn't last. How is this word from the Lord not for such a time as this? For us, we just like them go through our life digging our own broken cisterns. We forget or we choose not to ask God to provide his living water to whatever situation we're in. We get used to digging cisterns even though we know they're going to catch some stagnant water supply. And we begin to label them in our lives. Well, this one I'm going to fill up with money. And this one I'm going to fill up with entertainment. And this one I'm going to fill up with, with status and what people think of me. And, and this one over here will be pleasure. And then this one's going to be all my possessions. And, and this one will be my relationships. It was a lie then and it is a lie now. If I work hard enough and if I dig deep enough, I will have enough for my lifetime supply. We can sit by our chosen well and find that we have plenty to drink in this life. But how long till we realize that it is not refreshing us? How long till we thirst for the taste of living fresh water again? The problem is when it's not living, it's dead. And as soon as the water was caught in any of those cisterns, it lost its life. And our tendency is that we will just dig another fresh one, sit by that one for a while. And when that one starts to taste a little funny, well, then we'll move on a little bit and we'll start digging another one until we look back over the course of our lives and see the remnants of broken cisterns all along our path. Just like the children of Israel, they had a trail of broken cisterns behind them all because they stopped asking. It's something that Moses missed in his disobedience of simply moving when God said to move. Just take that step, Moses. But because he didn't take that step to speak his faith, the children of Israel never caught it. And sadly, all those years later, and even today, our world looks very much the same. We're all born thirsty. The enemy of our soul will try and teach all of us how to quench our thirst. It's about how much you dig. It's about how many wells you dig. It's actions over faith. And Moses simply hit a rock when God told him to speak. And it unleashed a generation of people who chose to dig broken wells over having a fountain of living water bubbling up out of a rock everywhere they went. I think this is such a clear warning because you and I are thirsty. The second thing I want to look at this morning is forgotten water pots. And I love Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Jesus is simply resting by a well in the middle of the afternoon, and she comes along. She was an experienced digger of broken cisterns. She was sneaking to the well 
clutching her little water pot, making sure that she went in the heat of the day so that no one else would be there. And when she arrived at the well, she found the fountain sitting next to it. Isn't it beautiful how often we find the fountain waiting for us at our broken places? The fountain was waiting for her, and he asks her for a drink. What a way to start a conversation. The king of kings is asking her, not only is she a woman, not only is she a non-Jewish woman, but she's a sinner. And he's looking at her, and he asks her for a drink. And her reply is utter shock when she says, why would you ask me for a drink? And in John chapter 4, 10 through 14, Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you don't even have a water pot. And the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? She's basically looking at Jesus and she said, but this is the way we've done it for generations. This is the way it's been for years and it's been good enough. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welled up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now her response right there looks right. Sir, give me this water, she said. But it's a logical answer. She wants to avoid having to go there every day. She wants to make her life easier. She probably likes to hide because of what people think of her. But her response is more for her convenience than belief. And Jesus begins to push and to point to all of the broken cisterns in her life and remind her of how thirsty she truly is. In John 4, 16, he told her, go, go call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband. And he said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. And what you have just said is quite true. And her response to Jesus reading her mail says, sir, I can see that you're a prophet did you know that our ancestors worshipped right here around this broken cistern in this spot? So funny that she tries to change the subject and points back to the generations worshipping at this broken place, this thing that they've built with their own hands. Worshipping at a broken cistern. This is the way it's always been. Can you tell how stuck she is? And I can imagine Jesus in his grace and mercy just smiling at her and shaking his head. You worship what you do not know. And she tells him, I see you're a prophet, but I, I don't see I'm a sinner. That's what she's saying. I don't see it. And if you don't see all the broken cisterns in your life, you're never going to be able to recognize your need for the living water. I did this study because as growing up, I always looked at this woman and, and read about her as being a prostitute, coming to the well in the heat of the day because she was scorned by many. But as I began to study it out this, this week, I realized that there's way more studies proving to the fact 
that she was likely just a woman who was battling infertility in her life. And every time she got married, she would have been divorced when she couldn't produce a child. And I'm sure her first marriage didn't start out that way, thinking it would end the way that it did. And all these years later, man after man married her and then would discard her when she couldn't provide a child. But here she was, five times divorced, and she's living with a man who's not her husband because he probably refused to marry her. She, she maybe lived with him out of loneliness, out of desire for affection. Maybe it was financial support. We don't know. But we do know that she probably had some serious abandonment issues going on, and she never had known what it was truly like to be known and to be seen and loved. But Jesus planned this divine appointment with her. And in John 4, 23, Jesus says to her, Woman, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So he simply begins to tell her it's not the place. It's the source. If you research the Greek word of worship that Jesus used in this little conversation with this woman was a very special word. It was a very rare one that he rarely used. And it was, in Greek, it's called proskuneo. It means to worship towards with your kisses, to worship with your bowing, to worship with your reverent affection. So Jesus is calling out all of her broken cisterns, and then he invites her to this living water. And it's a living water that will supply all of her thirst, all of her needs, all of her needs of affection, all of her needs of being cherished, everything that she's lacked in her life. He's speaking with one word, worship. Worship. If you move towards me with your worship, with your affectionate worship, you won't be thirsty for that anymore. He met her right where she was, beside her broken cistern, and he gives her this invitation to have exactly what she needed. I find it interesting when you study this out that he said that word seven times to her in that little conversation. Maybe he was reminding her of all the broken cisterns that she tried to fill the space with. Six times she's dug a broken cistern. And this seventh time, he's telling her, stop digging and start asking. Don't worship man. Don't look to man. Look to me. And what I truly love about this story in the Bible is that she never tells him, oh, I get it. She never says, oh, I repent. She never says the sinner's prayer. In John 10, 28, the Bible says, then leaving behind her water pot, the woman went back to the town to tell everyone about Jesus. It's interesting to note that the disciples were not in this conversation. They were getting refreshments in that town. And when they came back, this is what John sees and records. Then leaving behind her water pot, the woman went back to the town to tell everyone about Jesus. So as they're coming back with food for Jesus, she's left her water pot and she's running past them back to the town. John writes that detail because he thought it was important for us to read it. 
The act alone describes for us what has just taken place within her. Sometimes people have to be awakened out of their patterns, and it's usually by simple steps of obedience. We can dig and dig and dig all of our broken cisterns, or we can leave behind our water pots and never thirst again. If we look back to Moses, when he struck that rock, when God told him simply to speak, we can look back to that and we can see what God, how God responds to that in Numbers 20, 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. That one act dishonored God. And he would never step foot in the promised land because of it. It all started by small steps of disobedience. God doesn't miss our small steps, whether it's to honor or dishonor. He sees them all. Your small can be used for you or it can be used against you. It's our choice. Moses never got to step foot into the promised land, all because of a progression of small things. God used an entire new generation to claim that promised land. He used a Joshua generation that was willing to take the small steps to do the ridiculous so that God could do the miraculous. Marching around the walls of Jericho in silence is ridiculous. But the walls tumbling down, that's miraculous. Sometimes it takes a new generation. Joshua had connected to a source. Joshua took small steps of faith and obedience that led to these giant leaps. And that faith led a people to their promise. In Isaiah 43, 19, the Bible says, see, I am doing a new thing. And now it springs up. But do you see it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. When you are connected to the source, you begin to see new things, new life, and new vision that is within you. You don't need old ways. You don't need to hold on to all the old testimonies and the old traditions. You just need faith. We've got to stop investing our time and energy into broken cisterns. And it's time to leave behind our water pots. We leave behind the things that we don't need anymore. It's when we recognize our broken cisterns and we leave our water pots at the feet of Jesus. That's when we're continually filled. In John 10, 10, the Bible says the thief comes in order to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come. Jesus has come that you may have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full and until it overflows. I believe that when Jesus said, I thirst on the cross, this is what he was meaning right here. I came that you may have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to overflowing. He took our salvation on the cross, we know that, but he also took our thirst. Because no longer do we need to ask for living water to come out of a rock. No longer do we need to do those things because the cross has made a way for the bubbling fountain of living water to reside inside of us. It's refreshing us continually. It's giving us life when this world can't even understand it. It's coming from within. Some may say, well, I've drank what Jesus offered. And I still feel thirsty. I still have felt empty again. 
the answer is once again so simple and that's just drink again drink again this isn't a one-time sip of Jesus that satisfies forever it's a continual connection to the source we need to stop digging these broken cisterns. We need to forget about our little water pots and awaken to this inner fountain of living water that satisfies like no other. This morning, as before service started, I was able to have a conversation with Denise. And, you know, I couldn't stop thinking about it during worship because usually when somebody's going through a really hard time, as we know, Denise is going through a battle right now with cancer. Usually in that time of situation, when you talk to someone, you like go in and like, okay, like, I'm going to try to encourage her, like say something nice, like encouraging that could build up her faith. But when you talk to Denise, you're the one that leaves encouraged. You're the one that's like, Shh. you know why? Because she's connected to the source. Because whatever's, whatever living water that she's got on the inside of her, it just flows to overflow. I read this quote years ago. I have it in one of my um, journals in it. And it's saying that the church has a lot of canals, but we really need people who are reservoirs. And a canal literally is, some, is, a, is, a, is a ditch that runs on empty all the time. It's like a little trickle of water that's just kind of going through it. Can't water anything. It's not for anything. It's just a trickle. But a reservoir, it releases to no loss to itself. So it fills up and only when it's starting to overflow does it release. It never takes away from the person. It just refreshes and lets everyone else have a drink. And I would say that's what our church needs, is more reservoirs. That's what God has called us to be, with access to living water within us. He's called us to be reservoirs that overflow out of abundance of what God has done, out of joy of what God has done. We get to release it to others without any loss to ourselves. I can't help but think of what would have happened for Moses, specifically Moses, if he had simply obeyed that small step of speaking to the rock instead of hitting the rock. Would his faith have grown enough so that the next stop that they came to, he wouldn't have even had to pick up the staff, but he could have just simply walked up to the rock and said water, and water would have gushed out. And then, after that step of faith, what would have come next? Would it have been just as they were entering into the new place, Moses leading the children of Israel, that just the sound of them coming, just the sound of them moving would have released water so that they could walk right into something refreshing? I like to think that that's how God would honor that. That's how God honors our steps. Every time we're obedient with one small step, let me tell you something, you don't even see in the supernatural what is happening. You don't even see how that, can, how that is changing and shifting where you're going next because that's how God works. I believe just the sound of their moving would have released living water to the places they went if it had started with obedience. 
God honors our small steps of faith. In Zechariah 4.10, the Bible says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. He has made it so clear for us. He's made it so easy. He's, he's allowed us to be created with a thirst. And we can spend the rest of our lives trying to fill that thirst when he's saying, I have the supply that you need. I have made a way for you to walk with this overflowing reservoir of living water within you. He is our living water. He says, simply taste and see that the Lord is good. Simply take a drink. Just receive what is already here for you. All we have to do is taste and see how good he is. Father, bow our heads this morning. Father, we just thank you. We praise you, Lord God. No matter what we face, no matter what we walk through, you have made it to where we can just draw from within this living water, God, that you have made a way for us to have. And we're so grateful. We're so grateful, Father God. I just really feel this morning, if there's, if there's anyone that just wants to worship, we're going to sing a song. And we're going to take a drink. And if there's anyone in here that wants to worship with us, just stand to your feet. And we're going to sing a song and we're going to just allow God to do what he wants to do in each and every one of us. Thank you, Jesus.
church, all I can tell you is just keep drinking. When you don't feel like it, when it doesn't taste good today, drink. You'll never regret drinking from the goodness of God. to the Lord. My hearts adore you. Let our hearts adore you as we bow before you. There's no one like our God. Close your eyes. Sing it to the Lord. Singing holy, holy to my one and only who is like our God. Let our hearts adore you as we bow before you. There's no one like our God. Jesus, we close out this service today, Lord, with our, our eyes are closed, focused on you, Lord Jesus. We're worshiping, Lord, at your feet today, Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask God as we leave from this place today, Lord Jesus, having heard this message, God, we, we want to drink from that living water, Lord Jesus. Lord, not something that we've constructed, Lord, not something that we've created, Lord, even though you've given us the ability to create, Lord, nothing, Lord, nothing can take the place, Lord, of that living water that comes directly from you. And so, Lord, in this moment right now, Lord Jesus, as we close out this service, Lord, we just ask, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would just pour out your living water upon us, Lord Jesus. We ask, Lord, that you would pour out, Lord, your blessing. We ask that you would pour out your spirit and your presence in our lives, Lord, in a way that we can't contain, in a way that we don't know how to how to hold it all, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, that in every moment of every day, Lord, moving through this week, Lord, that we would rely on you for what we need, Lord Jesus, that we would be able to ask, Lord, by faith, Lord, to you for what we need. Lord, again, not something that we create, not something that we do, Lord, but you, Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for this precious, precious moment, Lord, in your spirit, in your presence right now. Lord, we thank you. What a great way to end this so grateful. We love you, Lord. Maybe you just take this moment, tell God how much you love him today. If you love the Lord, tell the Lord, tell him today, God, I love you. I love your presence. Lord, your worship means so much to us, Lord. The worship, Lord, we love to worship, Lord Jesus, a God who's worth worshiping, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this moment, God. Thank you for this church, for everybody in this place today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can do this together. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Isn't that a phenomenal message this morning? Come on, come on. God wants to pour out his living water on us. Let's ask God every day this week. Let's wake up in the mornings requesting from God. God, pour out your presence on our lives today. We love you. Thanks for being a part of this service today. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.